Welcome to another episode of Not Too Deep. I'm your host, Grace Helbig. Today we have Cami Crawford with us, who is absolutely stunning inside and out. You might know her as a former Miss Teen USA or a current co-host of MTV's Catfish. She's just so lovely. We talk about the world of pageants, her experience there, what was helpful, what was hurtful. Now on to her hosting one of the most popular shows on TV, Catfish, and what she's learned about the world of catfishing because it's still happening more than ever and there's a lot to learn. She also is extremely passionate about voting and gives some really great perspective on why as a young person it is so important to vote and the things that you should be really considering when you do. I had a great time talking to her. I learned a lot. Um, Also just a mutual shared love of home goods. There's a lot of home goods talk so get ready for this episode of Not Too Deep with Cammie Crawford. Cammy, thank you so much for being here. Um, I do feel like I'm instantly transported to a catfish episode. Right you now. are. That's what this is. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Um, so they won't FaceTime, but they're for sure real. So right. all good. Yeah. Typical. Uh, well, also, uh, Los Angeles is still relatively new for you, right? Yeah, I'm two years in now. Okay. Yeah. How's how's that experience been? I mean, you've had some uh, a range of experience in two years in Los Angeles with everything going on right now. Oh yeah. I think I've gotten like the full scope of what mm. to expect, uh, from the Angelinos, but I love it here. I'm cool. from the East coast. I'm from Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, and before this, I lived in New York for eight years. So this is like completely different, but it was like the change that I needed to see in my life. Good. So I- yeah. That's awesome. Um, well, let's go back to the beginning. Um, I'm from New Jersey, also fellow East Coast. Hey. Um, I want to talk about, let's talk about first, obviously, uh, Miss Teen USA. Let's go back to those years. How did you get involved in the pageant world? It was kind of by accident. I was just in high school. I was a senior. Mm-hmm. Was I senior yet or junior? Who knows? It was so long ago. It feels like (laughs) 5 million years ago. Um, But one of my best friends had competed the year before I did. And she was just like, I did this pageant last year. It was really fun. I feel like you would really like it. You should do it. You'll make cool friends and it'll be fun. And I was like, okay, sign me up. Like I'm down (laughs) for fun. And then, you know, I got fully immersed in the pageant world, which is a whole entire thing on its own. That's that there yeah. needs to be a constant reality show based around pageantry all the time. Because That's what I'm so fascinated by it. And do, for you to have like, uh, how long did you actually spend in that world? I mean that, so I competed at state that October. I think she might've told me about it in like January or February. Okay. I competed in October. I won Miss Maryland teen USA on my first try. And then wow. after that you have to go to nationals and I won Miss Teen USA. So it was only about like a year's worth of time, but I mean, I got, I got my full experience. I'm sure you (laughs) did. I got my t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, Because uh, I read that you were trained by Miss Pennsylvania. Yeah. So Loren Merola Strager now, she was um, 
one of my walking coaches. Then I had Lucira, who's another like famous pageant and model walking extraordinaire. She's the one who taught Kendall Jenner how to do her model walk on that wow. episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. So oh, yeah. <laughs> she's an expert. Um, and then I had, you know, I had two interview coaches. I had Jules, who's like my pageant fairy godmother, who has her own pageant um, consulting company. Mm-hmm. And she trained me on like paperwork. There's so you have to know how to walk, how to talk, how to, you know, uh, do everything. It's a, yeah. it's an entirely different world. It's kind of like training to be a princess at Disneyland. Like you have to know the ropes. Yeah. I mean, it sounds because I think people can write it off very easily from the outside, not knowing mm-hmm. on the inside what it's like. So yeah. the what kind of training you kind of said, so you go through walking training, you go through talking training. I mean, they're like making you into a different person almost. It sounds yeah. like. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's the grace of being a princess of Disneyland, but like the brain power of being a politician. Like yeah. it's very, you know, there's, there's only so much growth happening within the pageant industry as much as I wish that there could be more, but you know, you have your fitness coaching you have, and that is, it's not like just your regular, regular fitness. You're not just going to soul cycle and like calling it a day. Like right. you have to, <laughs> everything is like lean, lean, lean. You have to make wow. sure that your muscles are lean. Everything is like small. And then you have your interview coaching, which teaches you how to interview, um, in, you know, answer questions in 30 seconds or less. Yeah. Bit concise, but also like, you know, put in your point of view mm-hmm. wherever you can. And then, you know, you have your paperwork, which is, you know, when you go into your interview at Miss Teen USA or at any pageant, you have an interview portion of the competition because we don't have a performing talent portion of the competition. Right. So everything is pretty much interview based. So you learn how mm. to answer the questions, how to do it in a short, you know, little time span. Um, and for your paperwork, everything that they ask you is based off of the paperwork that you provide. So if you have like your grandma do your paperwork for you and you know, your grandma writes, she loves chocolate and dancing. (laughs) And then you get in your interview and they're like, so what's your favorite chocolate candy? And you're like, I hate chocolate. I'm allergic. Yeah. Yeah. It won't kill me if I have it. That happens all the time. I can't tell you how many times that happens. Yeah. Don't think about it. Interesting. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, I was watching your stories because by when we're recording this, this will go up later. We just had the vice presidential debate last night. Mm-hmm. And it must be so fascinating for you to watch through the lens of all that training to see how they're answering questions. I mean, what's that oh, experience yeah. like? I mean, for me, for me, I think coming from a pageant background, but now working as a host and like having that training on top of that, which mm-hmm. is completely different because as a host, you have to, you know, connect with the person on the other side of the lens um, right. who's watching you. So for me, I focus more on like the moderator mm. who I'm like, where's the follow-up? Like, yeah. this is what the people want to know. We want to like, make sure that this person answers this question. Like, right. don't just let it pass by. So, you know, for me, that part is like the most frustrating, but then you have the whole entire aspect of like the president of the United States used to be my boss. Yes. So. That's <laughs> so, like, well, one of the, um, d- uh, like the, you had a tweet in like 2016 that was mm-hmm. extremely informative and I think confirmed a lot of people's suspicions about the, um, 
terribleness of the human being that is currently our president uh, that, that said Donald Trump doesn't like black people. So don't take it the wrong way. If he isn't extremely welcoming towards you is what someone actually said to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's wild to me. Yeah. I mean, I was 17. I had no idea that I mean, I knew that racism existed, obviously, but I had yeah. never experienced anything firsthand. Um, and even with sharing that experience, I didn't think that it was going to go anywhere. Like mm-hmm. I just was, you know, I'm always on Twitter. Like I'm just right. talking about things that happen in my life. Like I, that's like a normal thing. Yeah. And it was right before the election. And I was just like, you know what? People keep on saying like, Donald Trump has done so much for black people. I'm like, okay, let me, let me explain something to you. Okay. Yeah. Or they're like, he, he had a black girlfriend in 1994. I'm like, okay like what does that mean you can have black children and still be racist it doesn't matter you it doesn't matter so Mm -hmm. I tweeted it not thinking anything was going to happen and then I got a call from my mom like after midnight asking me well not even asking she was yelling she was like Cameron (laughs) why is Inside Edition calling me on my cell phone at midnight what did you say what did you do and so I was like I had no idea. And the next thing I know, it was on like CNN and MSNBC. And I wasn't expecting any of that. I wasn't doing it for any of that. Yeah. Um, But, you know, it's important that people are properly informed. And like, Mm -hmm. I think that the most harmful thing that's going on right now is that people are just blindly following and listening to anything that they hear. Like, yeah. you can't do that. I, I love Barack Obama with like every fiber of my being, but if he makes a mistake, yeah. I can acknowledge when he's made a mistake. And that's that, that's the difference. Yeah, I think um, when you refuse to acknowledge that someone that is leading your group of people, um, that they are flawed in any way, that becomes a cult and that person becomes a cult leader. And those are just, I don't know, <laughs> you know factual things that kind of happen in that regard. Uh, that's the way it is. Yeah, but that is, I mean incredible and also like you know that your intentions are good and then all of a sudden this thing blows up and you're like oh my god now i'm responsible for some sort of movement around this this is wild um where in your uh the beauty pageant world did you like make a conscious decision to formally like step out of that did that did you stay in that world for a little bit i don't think i ever had a choice because i am so vocal Mm-hmm. that, I mean, I'm like the black sheep of the pageant family. Like I just, I don't give a shit. Like I'm going to say what it is that I feel. I, I wasn't yeah. in the world long enough to, you know, be silenced or feel like I have to silence myself. And I know mm-hmm. way too many girls who are, you know, a part of the industry who feel like they have to always be politically correct and they have to always, you know, appease one side over the other so that they don't get bashed. I really don't care. I've been getting bashed since I was 16, which is when I started competing. I have, you know, seen the worst of the worst. I've been called the worst of the worst. I've had death threats. I've seen it it all. Like there's nothing. And that was just from competing in the pageant because I was the first black winner in a decade. So I saw it all and nothing phases me at this point. Like, you know, even with having a show on television right now and working on that show, you get negative comments and people Mm -hmm. are always like, how do you deal with that? I'm like, if I can deal with the pageant people, I can deal with 
anybody. A hundred percent. Do you still watch pageants now or are you kind of, nah? Uh, my mom was um, the executive director for Miss DC USA and Miss Connecticut USA. So she is kind of the person who puts on the state pageant, but then gets the team together to train the girls for Miss USA and Miss Teen USA. Oh, cool. So I was super involved with that when she was doing that. Um, she had three national title holders in like four years, which is wow. unheard of. And they were all black. Wow. The current Miss Teen USA is her current girl. And she had back to back black Miss USA's from the same state, which is like not wow. even a thing. Amazing. Um, yeah. She's like incredible, but she was kind of the person in, you know, for, for black pageant girls, my mom was really the person to show the industry. Like, this is what you're missing out on when mm. you're not giving our girls a chance, because there are so many States that still have never crowned a black contestant because they Wild. just don't want to, yeah. <laughs> or they don't believe in it. And Jeez. so, um, you know, when she was doing that, I was super involved with her process. But other than that, like I have some friends who still compete and I, you know, it's great. Like I'm always going to root for them. And yeah. I think that there are a lot of benefits and cool things about the pageant industry. But I think that there's also a lot that needs to change. And, you know, yeah, what would you change or hope to see kind of evolved in that world? One thing in particular, I was actually talking to a friend of mine who we competed together at Miss Teen USA. Um, we both made the semifinals and she was talking about, we were talking about like our weird relationship now with fitness. And she was mm. talking about her relationship now with food mm. from competing in pageants because, you know, even for myself, like I just started with a new trainer. This is the first time in my life that I felt like I'm going to work out just to be fit and strong mm -hmm. and like feel good and not like I'm going to work out because I need to lose weight and I want to lose weight. And like that's, or I want to be lean and skinny and, and small. Mm -hmm. That's never something that I've ever wanted for my life, but being in pageantry and like, you know, that kind of fitness ingrained in your mind, you think yeah. that that's like the normal way and it, it's, it's not sustainable. Um, so we were talking about that and I was just like, when are we ever going to see a girl that's over a size four compete on a national stage at a pageant? Yeah. Like, when is that going to happen? Because now I think it was what a few years ago, uh, Miss Canada was competing at Miss Universe and she was considered like the curvy plus size contestant. She was probably a size four. Wow. Like how, what, what's so the logic? unrealistic? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what does that teach women who are mm -hmm. watching? Like this is yeah. your plus size contestant, you know, like it's, Jeez. it's, it's, it's really wild. And that is something that I would love to see change. Like obviously fitness is a huge part of pageantry, but right. there are plenty of girls who are fit that are a size 10 or mm -hmm. a size 12 or what have you. Like it, fitness doesn't just come in size zero to two. Right. Yeah. And there's, it's interesting. And I think one of the reasons I'm really fascinated in that, that world still exists today is that mm -hmm. there seems to be a little bit of contradictions of like putting forth, you know, the most confident and, you know, whole person mm -hmm. that can represent a certain, um, you know, intelligence and awareness and compassion and blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, you have to conform to this ideal, like old school, weird, uh, confining, terrible standard for yourself. Yeah, uh, completely. It's, it's pretty nuts. And I, I'm with you. I hope that that kind of like 
uh, expands a little bit because uh, there do seem to be like benefits. Like what would you say were the biggest benefits for you in having gone through that world? I think the biggest one is I wouldn't have ever explored being on television had Mm. I not competed in the pageant because at the time I wanted to be a dermatologist. I was like fully on the pre-med track. Like I was like, get me out of here so I can start my 12 years of school. I got a lot of shit to do. (laughs) So even while I was Miss Teen USA and like living that life, I was taking the train like 45 minutes to to Westchester, New York um, and going to Manhattanville college and like starting my prerequisites so that I could get those done so that when I started my freshman year of college, I could start the pre-med track. That wow. was like where my mind was. Yeah. So I was exhausted for like most I of the can't time. Imagine. I was doing it's a lot. It was a lot. Um, and you know, from that experience, I got a lot of on-camera, you know, mm training and work and, and, you know, going to different events and being asked to do like a little quick spot on, you know, a show or, you know, something, something small, um, and like hosting a segment. And that was kind of what even put it in my mind that I could be good at something else Mm. and that I should try something else. Because I think, you know, when you're a kid and your parents are like, you're, you'd be a great doctor. You'd be a great lawyer. Uh You're like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) that's what I'm going to do. And so it kind of, you know, just showed me that I could have another passion in life. And I think that's like the best thing that I got out of it. Totally. It expanded your perspective a little bit. Um, Okay, we're going to get into all the TV stuff in a quick second. We're going to take one quick break, and we'll be right back with more Not Too Deep. Not, not too deep. With Grace Helbig. Hi, friends. Grace Helbig here from the podcast Not Too Deep, which you are currently listening to, hosted by me, Grace Helbig. Just wanted to say a couple of things. One, thank you so much for listening. And two, if you are enjoying yourself to such a degree that you'd love to leave us a um, review, on the Apple Store, that would be so appreciated because, again, you are very appreciated for giving us your time, your ears, your attention, whatever it may be. Uh, and that was my couple of things. Now back to me, me. Okay, let's get into this new endeavor. You're the official new co-host of Catfish yes. on TV. That's so exciting. Let, talk me through how this even came about. Because I was watching episodes where you were guest hosting on, and Melissa mm-hmm. and I were talking about this before you came on. And it's like, you're so natural on the show. Thank you. Also, have a voice of the audience of just being like, come on, what the fuck are you doing yeah. right now? <laughs> great it's so like uh you can breathe a little bit right and Uh, i appreciate that because that i mean that is my biggest thing when i'm watching tv that's what i'm thinking like why aren't you saying what we're all thinking we're all thinking (laughs) you sound nuts like say that you know and also this show has been on for years and Mm -hmm. you know the premise isn't going to change every episode, but you do find uh, very unique things about different stories. So yeah, how did this come about for you? So it was two years ago, I got a email from someone at casting or said they were at casting for a production company. <laughs> One of those emails. On <laughs> I, I mean, like you're in the industry. I yeah. thought it was bullshit. I yeah. was like, there, she was like, hey, we would love to have you come on and co-host a few episodes of Catfish. I was like, huh? <laughs> I have been working in this industry for 
seven years at that point. Yeah. Nobody just emails you and is like, hey, do you want to co-host one of the biggest shows on television as a guest and like come on for two episodes? Right. So I thought it was complete shit, but I was like, you know what? Let's see where this goes. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm into it. Whatever. Just, I mean, how ironic is the idea that maybe you're being catfished by yeah. someone in the industry that you're like, I know against my better judgment, but I'm just going to see. <laughs> so that's why I see how it happens because yeah. it, it could have happened to me easily. Mm-hmm. I was also in a weird mind space because I was going through my quarter century life crisis. Mm-hmm. And if anyone knows, that is like the worst part of a person's life. <laughs> oh, yeah. It'll hit you real scary. hard. Uh huh. Triggering and very traumatizing and scary. And I was also in the process of packing up my entire life in New York and moving to LA with no real plan of what it is that I was going to do. So my wow. mind was on fire in the worst wow. way. Like everything was burning down around my brain. And I was just like, this is fine. Like, let's, let's go. Let's talk about catfish. So I spoke to her on the phone. She ended up being um, a former pageant girl herself and knew about me. And I guess some people from MTV were following me on Instagram and I had no idea. Hmm. And she was like, we would love to have you come on and host an episode or two. If you're into it, I feel like you would be great. Like, let's do it. So I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. So then, you know, I waited like a week and then she was like, we're going to send you your travel information. You're going to Iowa City tomorrow morning. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. (laughs) I thought it was was a lie. I still thought it was a lie. I'm packing up my apartment with my mom (laughs) and my sisters and my boyfriend. And they're (laughs) so excited. They're like, you're going to be on Catfish. That's so cool, blah, blah. And I have been a longtime fan of the show since the documentary. So I know the show. I know, I know it's a big deal, but I'm thinking it's all a lie. But I'm like, fuck it. I'll go to Iowa. So then I get on the plane. I'm on my way to Iowa. I'm literally like in first class with a glass of champagne in my hand. And I'm like, this is going to be a hilarious when it's all a lie when I get there. And it's, this is all shit. Yeah. I get to Iowa. I meet the production. I still think it's a lie. The next morning I'm I'm on punked actually. And this is how they get me. Yeah. I'm like, I'm living in a simulation Uh and none of this is real. So the next day they give me my call time. I walk in this room. I'm in there like eating the crafty because they had a spread. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, if I'm going to be here, I might as well snack. Yeah. Let's see if these are fake. Let's see if this is fake. That was, that was my mentality. (laughs) Neve walks in the door and I, I probably spit out my apples. Like I was like, oh my God, this is real. Then my heart rate just like shoots through the roof. I start sweating. Oh God. But I'm like, wait, so they cool. have not, they have cameras rolling and they haven't prepped you for this at all? No, they oh, thought God. I was cool. They thought I was like, they thought I was cool with everything. I had no idea that this was like my actual reality. So I'm just like, play it off, play it off. This is normal. (laughs) This is is normal. No one else seems to be reacting. So no, everyone's fine. But you have like five cameras on you. And me, who I've been watching on my TV for like seven years is walking towards me. Oh my God. And luckily, like after the initial shock and disbelief wore off a little bit, we got right to work and yeah. it was seamless after wow. that. Like there was just no, it's, it to me never felt like work still doesn't feel like work. Like it's cool. just, 
a fun thing that I do with my new friend. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think that's what makes the show so successful is that you guys aren't approaching it from like, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy experts or like, right. you know, FBI investigators or anything. You're just like real people deducing real facts in real time for yeah, people. Exactly. Uh, that's so wild to me that there's no formal like rundown of here's how we're going to do it. So you nope. basically like trial by fire, like learning while you're in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How was that first episode then? Because you literally got thrown into it. As soon as we started it, I was like, this is what I want to do. Like, this, <laughs> is the, this is the show for me. And I, I called my mom immediately after and she was like, Literally, I don't think that there could be a, a more perfect show for you. Because when I moved mm. to LA, I had other ideas in mind. At this point, I hadn't even moved. Because after we filmed that episode, I think I flew back on a Sunday night. And by Monday morning at 8 a.m., the movers were coming to pack up all my stuff and ship it to mm. LA. So it was just crazy how things worked out. Because I had no plan. I didn't know what I was going to be doing. Yeah. But after we filmed that episode, they were like, we'd love to have you come on and do two more. And then they were like, we'd love to have you come on and do two more. And then we'd love to have you come on and do two more. Wow. And then they asked me to be the permanent co-host. And I was like, yeah, this is, this uh, is my life. This is what we're doing. So cool. <laughs> Yeah. And so you were using social media and do and like, you know, building a brand and the, and voice online before all of this. How has this affected the way that you now view or handle your social media? Um, I think I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not any more or less cautious than I was before, except for <laughs> the fact that, you know, I've always been a person because I am vocal about a lot of different things that mm -hmm. if I'm posting like on my stories where I'm out and about, I don't post in the, in the actual time yeah. and moment. I wait until I leave and then I'll post. And if I have to post a location, I'll post it after I'm gone. Cause people Very are crazy. Yep. People yep. Are crazy. Very true. Um, and you know, I get messages from people all the time. Like, I think I just saw you walking down Hollywood <laughs> Boulevard. I'm like, huh? What was I doing? <laughs> yeah, was I doing anything terrible? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's always super awkward. But other than that, like, I I have always loved using social media to connect with people who you know support me. Mm. Uh, people who don't sometimes. Those are always interesting <laughs> conversations. But I. I, I love social media. Like, I think that yeah. it's great. I think that there's a lot of people that use it for, you know, negative uh, yeah. reasons, but I'm not one of those people. So I just, I like to make my social media a safe place to have like educated discussions mm -hmm. and um, just to like talk. Like I, yeah. I, I think one of the things that I was complaining about just the other day is like influencers, which I am one, mm -hmm. not talking about real shit. I'm yeah. tired of talking about your favorite lipstick. Mm -hmm. That's great. Tell me your favorite lipstick, but also tell me about like things that are happening in the real world that we can all benefit from hearing about. Yeah. I think that's really, I truly admire how, uh, outspoken you are and not even outspoken, just spoken about yeah. <laughs> things that are going on and your actual opinions about it. 
in a way that seems to invite everyone else into the conversation with you. Like you're creating dialogue with the people that are watching or following. And I think that's hugely important because a lot of people are very image conscious and very worried about, you know, which I'm sure mirrors a lot of like the pageant world a little Mm -hmm. bit. And so I think it's very cool that you are, you're still exactly who you are, even though you're hosting this TV show, because I'm sure a lot of other people would have restrained themselves a little bit on being so, um, on voicing any opinion that they have about anything. So I think that's very cool that that's something that you do think people should do more of. Yeah. I think maybe the PTSD from feeling restricted for like a year and a half as Mm. a beauty queen (laughs) 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 seeping out of my pores. I just, I, I feel like a fraud if I'm just sitting on social media looking cute and not talking about, you know, issues that affect my life. Like yeah. I, I feel fake. There yeah. have been times even during this quarantine that I'm like, why the fuck do I need to post a selfie right now? People are mm. dying. Like yeah. who cares about my face right yeah. now? You know, unless it's like, look at this face, but also click this link to, you know, register to vote or something like that. Yeah. It's just to me, you know, we can have, we can make social media a frivolous place or we can make it a more meaningful place um, mm-hmm. where we can actually have discussions. And, you know, I, I like to open things up for my followers to be able to ask questions and not feel um, judged or anything like that. Because I think that that's part of the biggest issue. People don't get the answers that they need because they're too afraid to even ask the question because they don't want to come off as any type of way or, you know, get bashed for even asking the question. But how are we going to learn if we don't ask questions? Yeah. A (laughs) hundred percent. I also, I think, one that's great because you're you're also telling people that you're not fully informed, but you are constantly educating yourself and that yeah. that is the process that you have to go through. Also, just the, the ability to balance like this beauty side with a side that is aware of and uh, wanting to talk about what's currently happening in the world. I think for a lot of young girls, especially, they feel like they have to put on a beauty face or something and that that other side, they they don't coexist with each other, but yeah. they do. Yeah. <laughs> they, should. they absolutely they should. Why shouldn't they? And I feel like if a brand doesn't want to work with me because I'm speaking out about, you know, injustice or things that affect my life and my body and the the lives and bodies of my friends Mm -hmm. and people that I don't know and the people who support me, then I I don't have to work with you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't need to work with you. Somebody else will want to work with me Mm -hmm. and you know, they'll probably pay me more. So it's fine. Like, you know, I think for every person that unfollows or doesn't want anything to do with me, I have hundreds of thousands of new people every day who are coming in that want to learn and, you know, appreciate the things that I say. Totally. And I think it's great too, that you are showing young people that, um, an interest in politics and interest in what's going on is important Mm -hmm. and cool and not overwhelming. Cause a lot of times I know for myself when I was younger, I didn't want to be as involved because I felt insecure about not knowing anything that was going on and feeling the overwhelm. Do you have a particular issue or reason or thing that you think young people should get involved in politics for like why people should care about voting why people should be excited and eager to do that especially in this fucking crazy time that we're in oh my god 
I can only come up with one. I have so many. I think for me, there's there's so many. Yeah. There's so many. Last night I was talking about reproductive health and reproductive rights. And that is something that I think that any person with a vagina can relate to. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to have some old dusty fart telling me that I can't take birth control. If I need birth control, I have been on birth control since I was 13, not Mm -hmm. because I was having sex, but because I have painful periods. I have dysmenorrhea. I've had it from the beginning. I know people with endometriosis or people with, you know, ovarian cysts and things like that, that have to take birth control because Mm -hmm. it regulates our organs. And if you don't have that organ, why are you making decisions about that organ? You don't have it. Mm-hmm. Mind your business. Mind your organ. <laughs> Get yeah. out of here. So that's one thing. Um, another big thing, you know, for me is the climate. Like I, I'm yeah. not the most, you know, recyclable green girl on the planet, but you know, I have my glass straw. <laughs> I try yeah. to do what I can when I can, but it scares me that like my children and grandchildren may not have a planet to breathe on mm-hmm. that that is scary so you know if you care about that maybe some young people aren't thinking about kids but i'm going to be 28 this month and that's something that concerns me now is you yeah. know thinking about that but also i'm going to be 28 i want to have children and what's that going to be like for me if someone else is in charge of you know my body how mm-hmm. how does that you know affect things and I was actually talking about that on my stories last night and I got a a message from someone who was um, planning on voting third party, which is a whole other conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, But she was like, I I don't like Trump. I don't like Biden. I was going to vote third party. But after your conversation about, you know, body autonomy and, you know, reproductive rights, I am absolutely voting for Biden because you're right. Like that is, that is right. And I'm like, this is why we have to have these conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Because some people don't know what their plans are. You know, mm-hmm. if a woman has a miscarriage, which most, I can't really name a woman in my life that I know that has never had a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. If you have a miscarriage and you have the possibility of being jailed for that, because your child dies and it's not even under your control. Like, what is that? Yeah. It's backwards. It's insane. It's backwards. Uh-huh. I know this is not too deep, but shit, you got to get deep with that because that no, is like... Well, that's the thing. I think that... And yeah, this was not too deep, but I... <laughs> it's like you said, it's the undeniable like need to be talking about mm-hmm. this stuff because one, a lot of people will avoid it because it's uncomfortable. And so mm-hmm. by default, they're uninformed and making decisions from an ignorant place. And then... Mm-hmm. Two, people read headlines and take it for full truth without doing any investigation or in any further uh, exploration of like the what this really means for right. like their lives right. and their potential children's lives. It's, especially with you on the climate stuff, because it's not even a conversation that people are having. Like in the debate, yes. I was so like thrown away that I was like, wait a minute, we have to go back to this. I Hello. need to hear On top anything. of like LGBTQ plus mm-hmm. rights, that wasn't even touched last night. And that yeah. is something that is on the ballot. And yeah. I, I have friends who identify as queer. I have friends who are trans. I have friends who are non-binary. I have friends who are gay. I have friends who are straight. I have friends 
who are the entire rainbow and not mm-hmm. on the rainbow at all. And, you know, as someone who considers myself to be, you know, an advocate for LGBTQ plus rights, it's mm-hmm. important to me to hear the moderator, but also, you know, Kamala Harris, who I love dearly, call out Mike Pence for the fact that he yep. believes in conversion therapy <sighs> and yeah. everything else. Like that's important to me. Mm-hmm. I want to know that this is being discussed. I want to know that they're being seen just yeah. as much as everyone else. And, you know, so that is, that's another big issue that I think that young people especially can agree to because we're not our, our parents or grandparents generation. Like we have right. a way more open mind. And if mm-hmm. you think about the fact that your friends who identify as queer or trans are not going to be given the same rights as you and are actually going to have their rights taken away to even love who they, who they love or, or use a bathroom that, you know, mm-hmm. makes them feel safe. That's something that you should be fighting for. Yeah. That's something that I want to fight for. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. No, I think that's great. I think uh, you're doing a amazing job by like making Thank sure you. that people that are following you understand that these are conversations that should uh, be happening. Um, okay, we're gonna take one last break, and when we get back, okay. I have some internet questions for you. We'll be right back. We're not too deep. Okay, Cammy. before we get into these internet questions, I'm going to ask you the two questions I ask every single guest that is on the podcast. And the first is, who, alive or dead, would you most like to throw cold spaghetti at? Ooh. (laughs) Oh, my God. Cold spaghetti. Does it just have to be that? I mean, (laughs) it's up to you. You can decide to heat it up. You can add some sauce to it, whatever you would like. I don't want to heat it up. Unless it's scorching hot. Um, <laughs> hmm. God. Alive or dead. My God. I know. The pressure. I, I'm thinking of so many different people. That's the problem. I, I some know. Well, we, we also understand that the answer to this question can change on a regular basis. It can change five minutes True. from now. It's just who in this moment? Probably that... Um, Tommy, Loren, whatever uh, the fuck. Mm-hmm. Tammy, Toomey, Tuli, Tuli, whatever. She blocked me on Twitter. Wow, what an honor. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, don't do me any favors, sis. Um, <laughs> because I told her to keep Beyonce's name out of her fucking mouth. And yes. I still stand by that. And that was three years ago. And I 1000% stand on that every day of my life. <laughs> wow. So I would love to throw cold spaghetti at her. Oh, I love that. I love that that was three years ago. This woman has yeah. been a mess forever. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. The other question is to tell us your worst pants shitting story or some sort of bathroom close call, but you can only use three words or three small phrases. So for example... Mine is college jogging front lawn. Yesterday, home goods. One thousand percent. I literally have it in my group chat with my sisters. I was like, I almost shit myself in home goods just now. It was bad. It was really bad. You know uh, and that's home goods is one of those places where sometimes they have a bathroom and then sometimes it's locked for employees only. And uh, I had a-, a cart full of shit and I was like, somebody's <laughs> going to steal all my pillows if I just leave this cart out. But you know, when your stomach like gives you that first initial uh-huh. warning, yep. and then it gives you the second warning. Yep. 
<laughs> and then the third is not a warning. <laughs> yeah. It's the third like, is this is happening. Go now. <laughs> yeah. I, I ran I ran with my cart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh I feel like I've been there before too because I just get so excited when I yes. walk into home goods because there's mm-hmm. so much uh possibility that my yes. like a child that like pisses themselves at Disney World, I'm just like, That's- oh my god. There's so many sconces. That's me. That's me. I have a whole entire pile over here of home good stuff that I, I got for my for my balcony. I'm so excited. Uh, After I get off of this, I'm decorating. Bit, oh, I love that. Well, okay, that bleeds into this question. Um, someone's asking, how do you practice self-care and love in such a busy day? Ooh, I think for me, and I know my followers are going to come running to this because... <laughs> They have asked me to give them a skincare um, mm. tutorial for the longest time, but skincare is my self-care. So I think sometimes, you know, where I'm like, okay, I should film this. I'm also like, actually, I think I'm just going to use my guasaw by myself. Like, <laughs> yeah. Actually, <laughs> this, this is, is just time. for me. <laughs> yeah. This is me time. So I love like oils. I love like the whole entire, you know, 10 step process that I do. Mm-hmm. That's something that, you know, means a lot to me, especially during quarantine. Like that was when I really got into like facial massaging and, you uh, know, it, it, it really helps. Yeah. Um, and home goods is definitely uh, self-care for me. Oh, I, I don't care time. if I buy anything. Like if I'm just in the candle aisle sniffing around, yeah, that's good for me. Oh yeah. I've had days when I, uh, first moved into my place a couple of years ago where I had gone to like two or three different home goods in one day just oh, to yeah. see the other options that they had. Yes. It's I was visiting, hunt. yes, I was <laughs> visiting my cousin, um, in Vegas just, what was it like two weekends ago? Mm-hmm. And there was a home goods like down the street from her that was a four star home goods. And I called my boyfriend. <laughs> I have to be back by a certain time because I have a chiropractor appointment. But if I don't go to this four star home goods, I'm never going to know true happiness. I have to see. This is like, he was like, go, just cancel the appointment and just go. Oh, and I, I went and it was fabulous. I didn't buy anything because I didn't need any of the things, but I was right. like, wow, this uh. is what it's like. You got to get that experience. That's so funny. Um, Someone's to know the most uh, unexpected aspect of co-hosting Catfish? Question mark. The most unexpected aspect? Yeah. Ooh. I mean, other than just the original, hey, here you go. Camera's rolling. Let's do this. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Other than being the co-host, the most unexpected thing I think is how attached I get to the people who come on the show. Um, Mm. I I am like an empath just by nature. But when, you know, especially when we were doing the traveling episodes, like we're spending three or four days with these people in their habitat like where they live and you know you really get to know them we get to know their families we spend time in their homes like these are you know very personal things it's very intimate and we also hear um, a lot about their lives that can't make it on air because Mm. of whatever reason legal legal reasons sure and so you know after we wrap I'm thinking about these people for like weeks I'm like how so-and-so like did they ever get that cat that they wanted like (laughs) That's, I'm like so attached and I'm always following up and like trying to, you know, just make sure that they're okay. Yeah. Even that first episode that we did in Iowa, um, 
it was Rachel and Vance. That was my first ever episode. And I found Rachel on Twitter because I'm a stalker. Uh, and I just DM'd her. I was like, how are you? How is your sister? Like, did she get to nursing school? Like, are you guys oh. okay? <laughs> See, I would watch that follow-up series yeah. of you sitting down having like a candid conversation about where they're at now. Exactly. I just think that it's, you know, it's important. Like I, I... I love the fact that we're able to get people's stories and like have them on the show, but I hate the fact that it's like we do it and then we have to leave. Like our production yeah. people are really amazing at, you know, following up and they have like everyone's numbers in their actual cell phones that they use every day. So, yeah. so if people need to get in touch with them, they can. But, you know, for me, my time with them pretty much ends after we finish filming. Right. Um, and so, you know, I hate that. <laughs> yeah, that must be difficult. Yeah. Um, someone's to know relatively same. Has there ever been a catfish that actually shocked you? I think they're all shocking. Yeah. I mean, that's the crazy thing when you think <laughs> about when you think about how long this show has been going and you're mm -hmm. like, how can they possibly still like reinvent mm -hmm. their own wheel on this? And then you see some of the storylines and you're like, oh shit. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um I'm trying to think, like, does it have to be on my episode or could it be any episode that I've ever seen? I would say any episode if something sticks out to you. Hmm. There was an episode, I wasn't on this one, but the catfish said that she was a, um, oh my God, what, what is the word? What is the word mm. for someone who talks to people on the other side. Oh, like a medium? Medium! Uh, okay. Why did I just forget that word? Quarantine <laughs> is like rotting my vocabulary. Oh, you're good. All good. So like someone medium. that could talk to people on the other side. Yes. And okay. she, she, the medium of the, the medium, the catfish was a medium. And she said that she was talking to this girl's father on the other side and that she needed to get in touch with her because the father was like, very adamantly trying to get in touch with her wow. and that to me was like the spookiest weirdest like yeah and it gave the girl so much hope obviously because like <sighs> you know that's your father like of course you wanted she wanted to talk to him yeah and I still don't know if they even confirmed that she was a true medium. I think some of the stories that she was saying were adding up, but some of them weren't. Yeah. And that was like one of the wildest things I've ever seen because I can't even imagine if I was in that girl's shoes. Right. How I would feel. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's uh, the, um, the way people can manipulate other people mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. sometimes just so extreme that you're like, of course, how would you, how else would you respond to a person coming out of the blue saying your dead father is talking to yeah. you through them? Like, whew, that's nuts. Exactly. Um, someone wants to know, and a couple people asked this, have you ever been catfished? Yes. Really? But not by a romantic partner. Oh, okay. I was catfished by a close friend of mine who we had been friends for over a decade. We lived together. Like we were close. Close. Okay. She, a very, very, very long story short, she uh -huh. lied to me about literally every aspect of her life. She faked an engagement. She like, there, there was so, there was so much. Wow. So much shit. She would, she faked so many things. I can't even like begin to, to, to list, but wow. like, for example, it got to the point where like, 
she was telling me that she was traveling to all these amazing places mm-hmm. and she would be like, Oh, I'm in, I'm on my way to Dubai with the fiance that didn't actually exist because it wasn't a real person. Um, I'm on my way to Dubai. I'll call you when I get there and then call me on Dubai time zone and be like, we just landed. <gasps> I just saw so-and-so at the airport. Like, oh, I'm going to go to the mall tomorrow. I think I want this Hermes bag. And then like, it was wow. So specific, very, very specific sociopathic behavior. It was very strange. Wow. So then you Mm -hmm. obviously have a much deeper connection to the people that come on the show than Mm -hmm. from experience. Yeah. I like to think I'm a very good judge of character and like I'm a Scorpio. So my intuition is very on point, but with Uh that one, I had no idea. And like the fact that it fooled me Yeah. now I look for every detail and everything and, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's like when someone your friend or, or even for the people who come on the show, like when you really love and care about someone, even if you haven't met them before, yeah, you, you trust them. Like we yeah. have a, a blind trust just by nature. I think most people, unless you've been hurt in a, in a certain kind of way that makes you not trust people as much mm-hmm. anymore. So, you know, wow. I get it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's mm-hmm. so nice. Uh, yeah. And it's like you, you have such a, a, a positive and, and sweet attitude towards people until something like that happens. And you're mm-hmm. like, how am I supposed to trust people again? Yeah. Why'd you do this to me? Like, trust nobody. Trust nobody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, someone wants to know, what is it like doing catfish from home? They say that they're teaching preschool from home. So basically the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. I mean, I, love the at-home episodes like it's super fun except for the fact that like I have to make sure my house is spotless every time (laughs) we film in here because people notice everything Everything. people notice everything I found out today from one of my friends who's in like a private Peloton group Uh that a picture of my bike which isn't Peloton it's SoulCycle is like being circulated in group and they're like, Cammy from Catfish has a Peloton. They're like, no, she doesn't. She has a soul cycle bike. She's a train. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, what is this? I have to hide everything. I have to hide wow. everything. And it's, it's impossible, obviously, because like I live here. But I love, I love the at-home episodes because I get to do them in sweatpants like I'm in right now. Hell yeah. And it's very easy. Um, but at the same time, I do miss traveling and like those things are obviously fun. And I, I enjoy the moments that we get to have alone with the people that we're helping mm-hmm. off camera and on camera, which we don't really get as much now because everything is through Zoom. Oof. Yeah. I mean, it's still incredible that you guys are able to produce episodes all while the world mm-hmm. is the way it is. Yeah. Um, it just shows you catfish doesn't stop. No. Uh, also, I'm a little concerned that like catfishing and, and maybe you've noticed or maybe you have it if it's like picked up more in the quarantine. I can only imagine that it oh, probably yeah. has. Yeah, for sure. Because everyone's on dating apps. So people right. are, you know, doing the most. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I know that like Tinder now has a photo verification uh, feature that they're doing, um, which I think is amazing. I think That's every app cool. should do that. But like, yeah. you know, people just want somebody to talk to. Yeah, very true. Uh, so I want to know, what is your favorite reality show other than Catfish? everyone who knows me knows <laughs> that I am so into television. Oh, great. I, You're in I a would safe love, space here. <laughs> yes. I would love to have a show like being a commentary person for every show that's on television. My favorite <laughs> show to date reality show wise is love Island. 
UK oh, though. Oh, okay. See, that's the one that I haven't gotten into yet because I know it's going to be, uh, it, it'll take all of my time. Girl, let me yeah. tell you something. So good. I've never seen the US version and I do want to get into it, but mm-hmm. I have seen every season of Love Island UK. I've seen <laughs> two seasons of Love Island Australia. And mind you, these are hour long episodes and there's like 60 episodes. So I've seen like <laughs> 60 hours worth of Love Island UK from one season. Oh my God. And yeah. I've watched like five. So Amazing. I'm very much into that. That's like, I, so like at the time when I was really like knee deep, I was speaking in a British accent just for, you know, <laughs> and I was thinking in a British accent. That's how, that's wow. how much I love the show. Now, um, would you ever go on a reality, another reality show that wasn't Catfish? I had a docuseries on BET called F and Fabulous Mm. um, a few years ago. It was only six episodes and they were like 30 minutes long, but great show. Loved it. Um, But I've always envisioned myself going on like Big Brother. Wow, really? That's intense. but I am such a personal space person that I probably would actually have a mental breakdown yeah. on television. <laughs> and like, I would be in the like little confessional room, like, let me up. Yeah. Which I think would be very entertaining to watch. Oh, I... but I'm, I'm terrified, but also very intrigued by the idea. Oh yeah. I mean, that's one I could never do because I know for sure I would have a breakdown mm-hmm. and I don't know if I could recover from it. Yeah. yeah. That's but, my concern. Uh, okay. Last question for you. Any tips for body positivity? There are so many. I think yeah. one of the biggest things um, that people always ask me is like, how did you become so body positive? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, my family is from Jamaica. So the idea of beauty and like standards of beauty in different places is different. And I really appreciate the fact that that was what I got growing up. It it was never like, if you gain some pounds, it's not like, you know, you're the ugliest thing in the world. Like that, that was just not a thing in our household. And we never talked about our bodies in like a degrading way ever. Mm. My mom didn't my sisters, I have five sisters. We never did. Like, that's just not how we were raised to speak about ourselves. It was always very like affirmative and like loving towards yourself and your body. Um, so I feel very blessed in that regard, but when it comes to body positivity, like you only get one body. Mm. Why are you, why are you feeding it negativity? Like mm-hmm. give yourself some grace, like allow yourself the fucking French fry if you want the yeah. French fry. But when you start to feel sluggish and when you start to feel badly about yourself, that's when you know you need to make a few changes mm-hmm. and adjust. Like that's just how it is. You know, during quarantine, who knows what I've gained. I didn't care. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about what I was eating. I'm trying to stay alive. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to survive. Okay. I'm trying to survive. So is it me? I'm going to have, you know, whatever I want. If I'm going to have two large cheese pizzas, then yeah. that's what I'm going to do because that is what brings me joy in this moment. That sparks joy for me. So I'm going to do that. I love but that. When it stops sparking joy, 
then you have to start making some adjustments. So just, Mm. you know, I don't own a scale in my house at all. I go by, you know, based off of how I look in the mirror, how I feel about myself when I look at myself naked in the mirror, which I think not enough people do. Mm. And, you know, how I feel. Like if I feel gross, then I probably need to get my ass on my bike or like, you know, go do something. (laughs) So I think, I think that people try to make body positivity and like into this thing that has to be like, it's a strict box and it's not, it's just loving yourself enough to give yourself the the grace that you deserve Mm. to, to be able to just live and be happy with yourself. It's very simple. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have a size number on it or anything like that. I don't even believe in that. Like numbers do not define how I feel about myself. If I feel confident and strong as a a size 10 and I feel confident and strong as a size two, that's, that's how I feel. And I'm happy with that. That's, I think that's absolutely wonderful that have a real open and gentle dialogue with yourself. Yeah isn't harmful. Yeah. Cause they say, I mean the, the phrase too, that it's like, treat yourself the way you would treat like your best friend. Like yeah. you wouldn't talk to your best friend the way that you talk to yourself in your head sometimes. Exactly. And that concept seems so simple and basic, but I think it is really profound when you remind yourself in the moment that that's what you're doing. Yeah. Um, I read something once that said like, you talk to yourself more than anyone else in the day. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're saying nice things to yourself. Like it's very simple, even when it just comes to like your mental health and, you know, just appreciating yourself for being alive in here is like so powerful. Like just appreciate yourself for existing and like even being able to have a smile on your face during rough times. And if you need a burger, get one. <laughs> I can't wait for all of the self-help books and the spin-off yes. series. Oh, <laughs> so wonderful. Um, Cami, before we wrap up completely, uh, we like to give a little gift for all of the guests that make time for us. And we have a personalized fortune cookie that I believe Melissa may have emailed to you Ooh. if you're able to open the email. There's a point zero zero zero. Zero one percent chance that the love of your life is the one who reached out blindly on Facebook the other day. Uh-oh. Their picture is of a hot model they refuse to FaceTime and won't meet up in person. But we really think this might be the one. Fingers crossed. I'm terrified. I haven't checked my Facebook <laughs> messages in five million years. Yep, that's for the best. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck would be in there. I'm not looking. (laughs) Thank you for Uh, the gift. (laughs) Of course. Cammie, thank you so much for being here. Now, for people that don't know, where can they find you online? When can they watch Catfish? All those good things. So Catfish is on Wednesdays at 8, 7 Central on MTV. Lovely. And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, at Cammie Crawford. Facebook, I'm not really on there so much because of shit like that. It's scary. (laughs) Um, But Instagram and Twitter all the time. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I could talk to you for six more hours about everything. But uh, make sure you're following her on all social media. I love your insight. I love your commentary. I love your hair routine, skincare routines when they happen. The skincare we'll wait for. Uh, But thank you so much again. We'll see you guys next time on another episode of Not Too Deep. Goodbye. Too deep. Too deep. Too deep. Not too deep. deep. It's Grace Helbig. Not Too Deep is a production of Grace Helbig Incorporated, producer Melissa D. Montz, edited by Shireen Lani Yunus, post-production sound by Chris Henry, and an extra special thanks to Flula for the theme music. <laughs> <laughs>